0: Sex Talk with Erica Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay, sex just isn't good enough, no Sex Talk
1: with Erica
0: Miley
1: Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley Erica Miley here I have um, a friend, a colleague I mean, I feel like Cassie and I are like Kin-spirited or Twin spirit, whatever it is we're we are we are intertwined as humans. I feel like I have Cassie Wilnaer, licensed therapist that works in the Kansas City area, host of the podcast Sex at Every Size, also working on her dissertation. You finished all your classes up and working on your dissertation about body image, eating disorders, and sex. I know that you haven't nailed it down yet, but welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so nervous.
0: I'm so nervous about dissertation that you got me all clammed up now. <laughs> it's okay.
1: You'll get through it. We'll all get through it. So I want to jump right in because like you and I, and the listeners are not aware of this. We, we will we'll spend hours talking because we have very similar, we, we have very similar specialties. We have very similar experiences. Uh, we work with a lot of similar clients. And so the Audience, I apologize in advance. You're going to hear a lot of nerding out. I know that's usually what you come here for, but it just might be especially so today. So I really I think this is a really good place to to jump in. How do you think the diet industry in particular? And folks, we're gonna be talking a lot about eating disorders. We're going to be talking a lot about body image. So just warnings ahead of time, if that's something you're struggling with. But how does the diet industry impact our ability as humans to really trust the things that we feel in our bodies, like pleasure?
0: So much. <laughs> <laughs> the, the deep I'm breath, r- she's preparing. The entire, <laughs> right. The entire premise of Diet culture is that we can't trust these innate cues that our body gives us. Um, Mm. And and it's built into our culture from birth. Like, Mm. I mean, I think when my kid was four, like pretty newly four, she was like, she made some comment about how eating too much makes you fat. And I was just like, oh, who
1: told you that? Same. I, I heard the same thing from my son. When he was really young, he was at school and and he was hearing from other children, like, oh, if I eat too much, I'm going to get fat. And I just was like, what? Where did you? Honey, you're four. Why? Right. Where Where did the come? And, and it did. It, blinded, it blindsided me a little bit as a mother.
0: Uh-huh. No, it does. And I think the thing I ended up saying to her was like, well, that's not really true. And also, who said fat was bad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, it's everywhere. Your little children know already. They already know. And it's upsetting. But I think really what diet culture is doing is saying, here's this body cue. Don't trust it. Mm -hmm. If you're hungry, drink some water. If you're... (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) just drink water. You're fine. Just drink water. Drink water. water. (laughs) And there's just, there's just a lack of trust that's just built into the entire system of how we look at food and nourishing our bodies. And there's a really big like guilt complex that gets placed on us if we are finding pleasure in food and people Mm -hmm. will be like, well, I I just, I eat so emotionally. And it's like, good. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to. It means you're using a coping skill. Hmm. or that you are
1: time. or that you are actually hungry and right. that some of our biggest deepest one of the things that we are supposed to do our body is says hey I'm going to keep you alive I yep. am going to keep you alive and when we we feel hungry that is our body essentially engaging what it is made to do which is hey I am trying to keep you alive <laughs> and that the, the idea that the the body cannot regulate itself and that it cannot give you cues for you to listen to is it's really, I remember just especially as a young girl, how destabilizing it felt like it, how can, how am I supposed to understand this? How am I supposed to get this right in quotation marks?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really think, one of, so one of the things that happens when you are eating restrictively and you're restricting the the calories and the food that you take in is that your body doesn't know the difference between a diet and a famine. So your mm-hmm. body is in this stress state that you've put it in and the body doesn't know, hey, no, it's cool. Like we're just doing keto now. Like your body doesn't no. know that. No, it does not. <laughs> so it panics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what is one of the first thing that happens when you are under stress and your body is in survival mode, you are, you, nobody feels horny when they're running from a bear. Okay. No. Nobody's interested in sex when they're running. No. from No, no. When fight or flight or
1: freeze is active, like you're not pooping. You're not, right. <laughs> you're not, you're not really understanding any other cues because your body is trying really hard to j- just keep you alive. That is, right. that is primary job.
0: We're so just you, not as
1: evolved as we'd like to think we are. No, we're really
0: not. So, you have now put yourself into a stress state, and you're like, Well, what the hell? Why don't I want to have sex? Why, like, why does that not sound good? Why? Mm-hmm. And then, so there's the biological component, and then there's also the component where when we're spending that much of our time worrying about our bodies and the, mm-hmm. our body size and what's going on with it and thinking about it really negatively as something that needs to change, I'm not surprised you don't want someone to see you naked. Mm hmm. Yes,
1: absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I, I, one of the most powerful things that I that I talk to my clients about, and I'm sure that you probably bring it up with your folks too. And I mean, shout out to Amanda Luderman for really bringing, giving us some words around this. Is the idea of erotic empathy and understanding, like, hey, how you see your body is not how your partner or partners see your body, and I, I think that it is incredibly. We invalidate our own experience, our own experience when we say, oh, my partner must feel the same way about my body as I do, and that they couldn't possibly find my body in the state that it is erotic. Like, I I, I just, oh, God, Cassie, we could just be here. We could be here all day talking about how frustrated- could. Yeah. How frustrated we are with how much this destabilizes our 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 clients and and how how much how much effort it takes to overcome this once you especially if you are continue to restrict or if you engage in any of the
0: diet culture. Yep. Absolutely. It is a huge It's just (laughs) And I you're right. Like I do. I work with clients all the time that are just So worried about how they look and feeling like nobody could want them, even their partner, you know, their long-term partner. And it it is hard when you're breaking up with diet culture and your partner isn't. I will say that. Mm -hmm. But... It can be done. And, and you're right. Like your partner doesn't look at your body the same way that you do. And probably no one on earth is as critical of your body as you are because mm-hmm. nobody is that mean to other people. <laughs> Except on the internet. Let, let's, let's, yeah, let be real. Don't go to the comment section. Don't yeah, go to the comment section.
1: <laughs> but I think that this is, this is an important thing because something you do that you encourage your clients to do that I think is incredibly valuable. As you say, show me your phone. Show me your Instagram feed. What -hmm. are you? What are you looking at? What are you taking a daily dose of? Are you taking a daily dose of like the the Spo, the the Fit inspiration stuff, the before and after picture, before and after? Yeah, exactly. The the diet industry language via image again Mm -hmm. and again and again. Just this repetition, this fire hose to the brain that you are not enough. So what do you, like, how how can a person that's like, I think this might be a good skill for us to talk about, like, how can they change their social media feed
0: to really, really help? break the the clutches of the diet industry. Yeah. So I don't like to tell anybody like you're not allowed to look at X, Y, and Z. That's not how I do it at all, right. which I think is what people expect. <laughs> like, they're like, well, don't, don't make me unfault. Unfollow- like I need to know what's going on with X, Y, and Z celebrities. <laughs> like, okay. That's fine. That's fine. You get to keep that. What yeah. I really like to talk to people about doing is pay attention to your to the cues that your body is giving you. Like this is, Mm. it's a part of rejecting diet culture in general to start paying better attention to your body cues. So I want my clients and anybody listening, to be honest, like when you look at something online or if you notice that, oh, I have been scrolling the internet because I'm really avoiding doing whatever else that's on my agenda for today. And or I'm doing it to numb out because I had a really stressful day and I don't want to feel my feels anymore. Uh, hand is raised guilty over here. Yes. TikTok Sand. and me are,
1: are great friends.
0: Yes. And that's okay. It's okay to use things in that way. But what I want people to really pay attention to is like, if you're in the daily habit of scrolling the Instagram feed or scrolling mm-hmm. Facebook or whatever, and you are noticing your body giving you cues as to when it's been too much, whether that's like an ache in your stomach, or you start to kind of get like that headache in your right temple or <laughs> you whatever it is. for everybody, it's going to be different but your body is smart and it is telling you things if you are willing to slow down and listen to it. So for me, if I know that I've been like numbing out because my kids are driving me crazy or whatever, Mm -hmm. I get this feeling like right at the base of my sternum where I'm like, oh, that's that feeling when I need to like come back to reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and, and the better you get at recognizing that overall, the more specific you're going to be able to make it. So if you look at I don't know, Kim Kardashian's Instagram and it makes you go every time, then Mm -hmm. stop following that person. Doesn't mean that you're like anti-feminist to like not follow Kim Kardashian. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) If the things that people are putting out into the internet start making you question your body and start making you feel bad, get rid of it. Like you don't have to look at that stuff. It's still going to be there and there's going to be plenty of people who engage with it. They're not going to like fall off the face of the planet because you chose to do what was right for you.
1: That's right. Your feeds are yours, yes, Your feeds are yours. and i I even I go I go maybe I am a little meaner than you. Just touch. <laughs> I think I might be a little bit more sadistic, but i i I actually encourage people if it is for them, like every every one of our clients is different. And so, like, I've definitely had clients who the visual stimulus of ha- actually having people in their feeds was, Really, really hard on them. So, but they still wanted to know what was happening in like celebrity gossip and things like that. So I was like, okay, it doesn't mean that you give up the celebrity gossip. Just get—it's okay to shift your focus to the type of celebrity gossip that you're getting. There is a uh, shout out. They—they they don't pay me for this um, <laughs> to keep it. I love that podcast. I love Ira. I love you, Ira. And it is all Hollywood celebrity trash like it's amazing and i love that but it's all audio so it's not mm,
0: that, that is such visual
1: a visual stimulus of like okay i have to see these yeah. bodies or i have to hear i have to hear about like somebody trying to come back from having a baby in four <laughs> weeks which is some bullshit okay let's let's just say that really quick y'all when you have a baby, regardless of your genitalia, you are going to have a long period of recovery. We're talking at least a year, at least a year for your body to recover. cassie, what do you, what do you got to say about these pregnancy and this message that we get from the diet industry?
0: I'm so over it. I, <laughs> the, the re, here's the, here's the reality. Like the reality is, like, your body's going to look different after you have a baby and that's completely fucking normal. Yeah, It's normal. It's supposed to look different. You grew a human and it came Mm -hmm. out. And yes, I know that there is a handful of people that you know or follow online who happen to go back to looking exactly the same as they did before within four Mm -hmm. weeks and not a stretch mark in sight and good for those people, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that you are wrong because you did not. Yeah, And there's like this pelvic floor physical therapist that's, really, really good. Like I've in my area. So I've had Mm -hmm. clients come to me and be like, oh, I went to her for pelvic floor PT and she was incredible. And it was like this wonderfully inclusive, like emotional experience that I didn't expect it to be. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. But then I look at her Instagram and she's doing a program next week for like taking care of like the C-section mommy shelf that happens above your scar tissue. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I got one of those. And I'm just like, look, like, that's normal. And you know what that's Mm -hmm. telling me? I have that. And I've Mm -hmm. never had a C section. And you're telling me that my body is wrong.
1: Mm.
0: And it just bothers me. Like, I'm sure she's lovely and a wonderful human. I'm like, it's not about hating her at all. It's just like, I want everyone to make sure that they're not perpetuating this false narrative that we can all just. Have the exact same body if we do all the right things. It's not true. Everybody's body is going to look different no matter what.
1: And it's absolutely completely in in opposition, I would say, to how we actually grow, develop, and change as we age. Mm -hmm. That our bodies are not going to be what they were when we were twenty five, right? Sixteen. My thirty seven year old body is fundamentally different than it was when I was twenty two. It is completely different and in, in hard, beautiful, different ways that sometimes are easier to, ex- to accept and sometimes harder to accept. And I think it has more to do with how we develop and how we're not prepared often for that development and how we change? And what do you think about that? And I want to definitely
0: talk about that healthcare provider thing because that goes right into our next question. Yeah. So the thing that I really think about like bodies changing over time is that like we hear there's so much – there's a narrative for every section of life, right? Like, you graduate high school and go off to college, and everyone has you worried about the freshman 15. Hey, guess what? You're still growing and developing. Your body is supposed to grow and change, especially for yes. men. You might even get taller in those years. Mm-hmm. Like, your brain isn't even, even all done. No, it's not. So, like, the freshman 15 can just go fall off a cliff because at the end of the day, like, yeah, your body is still growing and changing, and you're probably supposed to change in those years like it's 18 to like 20 right like your body should change well and what uh,
1: what are you doing during that transition it is probably one of the bigger transitions of your life to go from absolutely living within a family system to living on your own whether you're going to school or you're going into a trade school or you're going into uh, working your first job Mm -hmm. it is one of the biggest first transitions of your life what happens when we go through a transition? A shit ton of stress.
0: Yeah. And not just stress, but like your actual life is very different. Like you went from having the structure of high school, maybe you were in activities, maybe you had a gym class every day. So you Mm -hmm. had this structure of activities that kept you active all throughout the day, every day. Then you might've gone to activities in the afternoon or evening. You probably were. In school full time, working a part time job, doing activities, mm-hmm. had homework. I'm sorry, nobody is that busy the rest of their lives unless they choose to be. <laughs> like, I might, of course, I might, you're. I might, bu- <laughs> I'm, 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 you I'm, might be. I'm. I'm I'm,
1: a, I'm. I'm one of those. I'm a little bit of a weirdo that way. My husband's always yelling at me. Put it. Sit down. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. And then that's the thing that we don't talk about when people have babies. Like, you know why your body isn't supposed to just go boom right back to whatever it was before? Because now you're a parent.
1: You Mm -hmm. are a parent now.
0: And even if it's not your first child, it is another child you are adding to your life, which means you are adding to your routine, which means you are slowing down to keep a teeny tiny human alive because they require Mm -hmm. a lot at all hours of the day. Yes. So, yeah, if your body changes during this time, You're not doing anything wrong. You literally just took your entire routine and threw it in the garbage can and changed it. Mm -hmm. In basically a moment, because it's like you go to the hospital with a routine and you come back with a baby with nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's all of that. And then as you age, things about your body change. One type of exercise isn't going to work for you anymore because – You know, you have creeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We were just, before we all, before we jumped on here recording folks, we were just talking about like,
1: what does it mean to become, be an athlete throughout your life and having your body change develop as we age and what does it mean to continue being as physically active as you have been at, and and at the rate you have, like with, with injury, with changes in your ability, just just because of how the your body physically changes, expecting your body to be able to do at thirty five thirty six thirty seven thirty eight all into the forties, fifties, what it could do when you were eighteen, nineteen, twenty
0: it's it's a it's a mistake. It's a mistake to expect that of your body. And all of that really plays into like sex and sexuality as well, because so many people have an idea of whether it's what they were taught or what they first saw in porn or no one taught them anything. Mm -hmm. So it's just what they saw in the first movie with sex in it that they saw. Like people will come to sex with an idea of what sex is. And then if it isn't able to remain that throughout the lifetime, which spoiler alert, it's not. Your body Mm -hmm. will change. Your needs will change. Things will be different. And shit, you get bored. well, and you get bored, sure. But like, you'd never have a conversation about it. And if you are a person with a long-term partner or partners, then you maybe have a script that you stick to. And then as your life develops and you're closer with that person and you're financially dependent on them and maybe you're raising kids together and everything, you're like, well, I can't blow this whole thing up and actually talk about the sex because what if it ruins everything else that we have? And then people never talk about it and they stop having sex because it's not the same and they don't know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to say your body's going to change and sex is going to look different over the lifetime. Please get used to talking about it now before yes. it's too late.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or come see one of us, where yes. we will absolutely <laughs> help help you walk it walk through it. We will we will help you with these tough conversations and how to have them in the in the. I just uh, over over this last week, I had two clients where we had this very disclu- discussion about okay my person my partner's body has changed my body has changed how do we talk about desire and how that how it's okay to talk about how our desires changed as a result of that without shaming one another about our bodies this is incredibly difficult for all of us to navigate Especially those of us who've been through, like, the diet industry and already have trouble around our bodies.
0: Well, and so many people, like, they'll have a baby or their body will change for a myriad of reasons. And, like, perhaps they are in a larger body than they used to be. And that particular position doesn't feel good anymore. And they're like, Mm. well, I guess I just can't have sex anymore. It's like, sorry, what? You got this whole body moving around. See what else might work. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. It's like the acceptance of like, well, that just doesn't, you get to a certain age and that goes away. It's like, no, no, (laughs) no. Did you hear us both? It was in (laughs) concert, people. We are in your ears. No. Just no. (laughs) I I do want to come back to the healthcare provider because I think this is really important. So what could someone do? Because I think there's a lot of this, especially within healthcare, and we're included in that in behavioral health. We are. Yeah, absolutely included in this. What should someone do if they're not being heard by their healthcare provider or being essentially marketed the diet industry through their their healthcare provider.
0: So two things I want to start with. The first one is if you're a therapist and you are listening to this, never, ever, ever suggest a diet to your clients. It is so, Beautiful. so unacceptable. It's just flat yeah. out unacceptable. It is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is not safe. You have no idea if the person sitting in front of you has a history of eating disorders. That's I mean, Right. You think that they're telling you things, but they may have specifically come to you because you're not needing disorder therapists and they didn't want to deal with those things. Uh-huh. Please just, it's unethical. Stop it. Don't do it. Yes. Don't talk about your diet. Don't support. Mm -mm. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. And and we're
1: and Cassie and I are coming from being professionals who see come through our email inboxes, CEUs. Those are continuing education credits. We have to have them to maintain our licenses, continuing education credits that continue to double down on the idea that we as therapists should be dabbling in things that are outside of our licenses, like encouraging people to take specific diet advice. And I agree with you. It's absolutely completely unethical. It is not something that therapists should be doing unless that therapist is also a registered dietitian who absolutely has
0: the education to be doing so. Yes, agreed. The second thing I want to say about it is that being able to be picky about your healthcare providers is an absolute privilege. It means that you probably have either cash to pay out of pocket to see whomever you want, or Mm -hmm. you have an insurance policy and live in an area with lots and lots of providers that accept Mm -hmm. that insurance. So I know that for like, for instance, like I live in Missouri, I practice in Kansas, but I live in Missouri. And I know that Missouri Medicaid reimbursement rates for therapists is absolute garbage. So a lot Mm -hmm. of us don't get, if we're licensed in Missouri, don't get paneled with Mm -hmm. Medicaid because I mean, you get, it's, very little money. It's not good Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not sustainable Mm -hmm. for a therapist. So that means that you're super limited if you have Medicaid on what kind of a therapist you're going to find. And that is not the only medical provider that that is the case for. Like it's hard to find a provider. So I'll start by prefacing with that. Then beyond that, I just think one one of the ways that you can you have to figure out a way to advocate for yourself and get past that internal fat phobia that tells you you did this to yourself, mm-hmm. that tells you, well, I kind of deserve to be treated like shit because look at what I've done to myself. Like that, mm-hmm. you have to recognize that, like, you don't deserve poor health care because you're fat. Mm. You still deserve really good health care. And The fact that there are doctors who will say, oh, I'm sorry. No, like I can't give you a knee replacement surgery because it's not safe to put you under anesthesia. But you could go and get weight loss surgery and then we'll do it. I'm sorry. Did I not need anesthesia for the weight loss surgery? (laughs) Give me the fucking surgery.
1: (laughs) 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 I I mean, I personal story time. I broke up with a uh, OBGYN, not as a partner, but as a doctor whom I had a very good relationship with and throughout my pregnancy with my kiddo because he truly, truly believed, even though I was doing triathlons, I was exercising and caring for myself every single day, He said to me, you know, when you're ready to have another one, if you just lose the weight, then you won't go through gestational diabetes again again. My doctor said that too. And that is absolute and complete bullshit, especially since I, as someone who reads research and looks for healthcare providers who absolutely stay in the research. I I remember when the, the other ARNP that I eventually went to go to, she said to me, Erica, that has nothing to do with it. She said it had everything to do with how well your pancreas could manage. And guess what? If it was genetically predisposed, you were screwed. You didn't get a choice. And I was just like, finally, and I, I burst into tears in her office because I was just like, I finally felt heard by a, a medical professional who didn't immediately look at me and assume that, Oh, this was, this is the case. This is why, this is why you did this to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you're talking about, like that, that internalized fat phobia of like, oh, when you said that, I was like, oh, punch in the stomach. Oh, God, Mm. I remember. I remember. I remember those feelings. Oh, yeah. Abject terror. So terrified every time to go to the doctor because they're going to put you on the scale and then they're going to have something to say about it, even if that's what you're there for or not.
0: Yes. So I really like some of the things that you can learn to say to empower yourself when you go to the doctor. Like I just turned myself around on the scale. Does that work every time? No. Like personal anecdote, just went to the doctor three months ago now, had a Mm -hmm. migraine. And so I, I had to go to the ER for my migraine. So I was following up with my GP. Went there, stepped on the scale backwards. We get into the room and the nurse is like, oh crap, I didn't write down your weight. And I was like, well, I didn't look. And then she says, oh, well, I think it was. And then just says it out loud. And I was like, okay, cool. Didn't really need to know. But I mean, I think I'm fine. Like I'm a person where I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. really want to know because you just never know if it's going to hit you wrong. And it worked out and it was no big deal. And I was just like, wow, that lady's dumb. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, it's just how it went. It was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, but for some people, that's a really big trigger. And I think it's important. Like if, if a doctor brings it up and they're like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can just say I'm actually like not really interested in talking about my weight. I feel like I have that part kind of taken care of. I've got a good plan around that or whatever it is that you need to say to get them off your ass and then just say like, I really want to talk about, you know, like for me, I really want to talk about my migraine. I really want, you know, let's focus on the fact that my foot is hurting and listen to me about all of the other things. So the whole, like that contribute to health. So like the whole idea of health at every size is about focusing on your, health habits like health promoting habits throughout your life so if you do exercise like you said I did triathlons Mm -hmm. like they should be asking about that they should be asking about do you feel like you know you eat a variety of foods that's even a way to do it Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be like well you know like your weight like that's just lazy doctoring that is lazy Mm -hmm. doctoring (laughs) oh I need that on a shirt (laughs) don't lazy don't be doing
1: lazy doctoring (laughs) I'm bad at hashtagging today
0: (laughs) It's just a work in progress. We'll get there. <laughs> like, like it's lazy doctoring to be like, "Oh, so we noticed you're fat." I'm like, "Oh my god, you have eyes." Okay. Congrats. They <laughs> yelled you in see your medical school. Me. <laughs> like
1: seriously, like it 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 is. It it, it mm-hmm. is lazy doctoring. And it it would be like me as a therapist. It, it's very it would be very similar if I if my client was coming to me and they are telling me like I have been uh, pulling my hair out, like actually pulling my hair out as a result of having like there's some obsessive compulsive disorder can have that in, in mm-hmm. as one of its features. But I am looking at them and I can see that they have been like plucking their hair or maybe they're even doing it in front of me. That would be like me just looking at them and saying, oh, I see that you pull your hair out as if they didn't know that they were doing it as if they didn't understand that that was a, that was a pain point for them. Like it's, it is absolutely fundamentally a medical provider, not taking a deep breath and going, okay, what does this person need from me? Rather than asking the, the ridiculous questions that are not necessarily related to why that the person's there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, you're totally right. It's, frustrating and then there's like there's more like sneaky ways that it shows up sometimes like like you know similar to your experience with gestational diabetes i had it when i was pregnant with my daughter so in 2016 is 2016 is when she was born she just turned five last month so the, I asked the doctor, like, the day after I delivered her, like, what can I do to, you know, make sure that I don't have gestational diabetes again? She's like, well, you know, like, you just you need to lose some weight and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay. Like, at the time, I was like, okay, well, I really better do that then. <laughs> like, well, they don't and there's realize no, there's- the power they're wielding, right? Like Exactly. Nor that the person
1: in front of them may or may not be educated on the, how nutrition works or it may not even have, and like you said, I think the, the identifying that privilege part of it, maybe that person lives in what's called a food desert mm-hmm. where they, down the road, the, the grocery store or even the bodega that's down the road doesn't have access to what they need to be able to, in, to have a variety of foods on their plate. And, and focusing on that weight and just leaving the person to figure that out. That's where the diet industry came in. They, Mm -hmm. they saw a market and tried to fill it.
0: Yes. And they make billions and billions of dollars off of your insecurity. So Mm -hmm. if we want to fight against that, I mean, really like one of the best ways that I can see is like, if you, if you have a body that you feel insecure about, please go to Instagram and find other people that are dancing around in their underwear and swimsuits that have Mm -hmm. bodies that look just like yours. So you can at least see a body like yours experiencing joy.
1: Yes. Yes. At my grown-ass age of 37, only in the last, I would say, two, two, three years, I went out and bought myself a bikini and said, I'm going to be dancing my ass around in a bikini. I do not care that any piece of... My skin or fat or whatever it is, is going to look differently than what a bikini body is supposed to look like. In quotation marks, y'all can't see me doing that because (laughs) if you have a body,
0: it is bathing suit ready, full stop. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, and like part of the way that I try to help clients get more into like being able to experience pleasure in their bodies is to just take a moment by yourself and all of those parts of your body that you have all of these feelings about, just Mm -hmm. get used to looking at them and that negativity that comes up, just being like, that's an interesting thought and letting it go away. Mm -hmm. You don't have to listen to it and internalize it. If you're Worried about your like flabby arm when you lift your arm up? We're both (laughs) shaking our wings. Yeah, right now. Like if you have that, like okay, but okay. Like I I know that for years now you've probably been really hateful to yourself about that. But take a Mm -hmm. moment each day to just look at it, touch it, and be neutral. I'm not telling you how to love yourself because like we all have our days where we're like, "Mm, yeah. This yeah. body is burdensome. <laughs>
1: like, well, so. and and it's okay when it sh- when it kind of sneaks up on you. I, as you were talking about that, I remember some of the first times my kids would would because of. My kids have, as they're getting older, they're getting less and less access to my body. But when they were younger, they Mm -hmm. had more, they had more access to my body and they would play with some of my extra skin or they would play with some of my fatty parts. And I remember having to internally go, oh, like they're not, they're not seeing this the way that I'm seeing this. I, I want to pull away. Why do I want to pull away? Why do Mm. I want to pull away from my child who is not only grew inside
0: of my body,
1: but like, is right. like playing with my body.
0: Yeah. My kids are obsessed with my body. My kids are obsessed with my belly and I'm just like, yeah, it's squishy. <laughs> it's
1: and my squishy. daughter,
0: my daughter asked me, and I know she was like fishing cause it was like right before my son turned one. And she was like, how come you got a big belly? Mommy? <laughs> I was like, we're not having another baby. <laughs> I, I was like, that's just how my belly is. Some people's bellies are big. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay. <laughs> it
1: was good enough for her. Like that, yeah. that, that simple explanation. She, I knew was she was me.
0: asking because she was like, we're not having another baby in this house, right?
1: <laughs> she didn't <laughs> love it the first time her.
0: one came home.
1: <laughs> my, my son is the, the other way he, he, he wants, he wants, uh, yeah, he's like, like mm. <laughs> I remember Like I, uh, you know, it was probably like, you know, the food, the food baby, like mm-hmm. when you get really full, uh, he, he, I think he was like poking my belly. He's like, why isn't there not another baby in there? I want, I want, I want another mom. I want another one. I'm like, no, I'll get you a dog. We're not doing it.
0: yeah no we're not we're not having any more no worries there it's not going to happen
1: (laughs) so I I think this is probably a really good spot to like I I really want to offer people a really good place to begin right like how can someone really start to see their bodies as they are and I'm not expecting like you to give yourself positive affirmations because especially with shame, like shame's trickier than that. Shame will be like, yeah, that's cute when you try to give shame a positive affirmation where we're looking for something where to meet yourself where you are. How do we help someone meet their body where they are and start challenging their issues around pleasure and food?
0: I think it's kind of all the, I talk about um, the book Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski a lot. Mm, They talk about completing the stress response cycle and the different Mm. ways that you can do that. And I think that's a place that I like to start sometimes for people if they don't If they're struggling with the body stuff and they don't know how to make that better, the reframe that I love in that book for, like, exercise is how it can help you complete the stress response cycle. Because Mm -hmm. if you start making that your focus of, I am doing this because it is going to help me complete the stress response cycle, I'm going to be happier and less stressed, Mm -hmm. and I might not love my body afterwards, I might still come out of exercising and look in the mirror and be like, hmm, Michelin man, okay. like, <laughs> And that's fine, but it's a good place to start to start retraining the way that you think about movement and that it doesn't have to be this thing that I do to punish myself or this thing that I do to earn a brownie or this thing that I do so that I can try, so that I can try to engage in this world and look like the world expects me to look and look like I deserve to be here. It's not about that. You reframed it. You just reframed it
1: beautifully that this is for me. This is for how I will feel afterwards. This is for the energy I might have afterwards. And it will help me complete that fight or flight or freeze response that we actually engage in a lot more than we that than I think we are absolutely aware of. Mm -hmm. That's anxiety. it, it is that's anxiety, fundamentally, yeah. Fundamentally, exercise for me the the change. I mean, I I was an athlete from the time I was pretty young. Like, ugh, man, I think I started like softball when I was like fifth grade or something like that. But like, especially challenging how I saw exercise rather than seeing it as a thing to reach a a weight goal in quotation marks, I started to try to see it as my Prozac. I started to try to see it as my mental health, like a vitamin that I needed to take every single day. And once I started to really allow myself to be in that spot, it made
0: exercise my friend as opposed to my enemy. Yep. I, I had a really similar experience, honestly. Like it was just like, oh, wait, this isn't about earning anything. This isn't about changing my body. This is about working with my body to make my life Better, happier, easier, whatever. Just, uh, I appreciate you so very much.
1: Oh, so, thanks. how How do these wonderful humans listening to us find you in the world?
0: Um, usually like Twitter and Instagram is probably the easiest way. So I'm at Cassie Wilnauer LPC at both of those places. You get different stuff at each place because. TikTok is just hateful. I said Twitter, didn't I? I meant TikTok. Twitter sucks. I'm not there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I am there, but like really I'm there so I can screenshot it and put it on Instagram. So you're not missing anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I have a podcast, Sex at Every Size. You can find that just about anywhere that you find podcasts. And it has an Instagram page, Sex at Every Size. And you can email questions, like listener questions there. So if you listen to an episode and you're like, oh, I have a question I want answered, send us an email, sex at every size at gmail.com. And my practice, if you're in the Kansas City area, um, you can find me at CassieWilnauer.com if you're interested in therapy. Fantastic. Folks, go find Cassie in
1: all of those places. Everything will be in the show notes for you to find. Thank you for listening today and sticking around to the end. We'll see you next time.